Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You've seen all those beautiful Northern Lights pictures on Facebook and Instagram. Now it's time to see them for yourself at the UP Dark Sky Festival. Marshall is known for its unique collection of architectural treasures. Within one of those buildings, you'll be treated to a variety of live performances. For hands-on experiences to immersive on-the-water activities, the South Haven Maritime Museum is a must-stop for history buffs. And at springtime, You just have to visit Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park in Grand Rapids. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and I'm really excited about this week's program. I know you will be as well if you stick around, so I hope you do. Let's get right into it as we travel the state of Michigan here on the Travel Michigan program. We're going to go all the way up to the Keweenaw Peninsula. That is as far north and about as far west as you can go in the Upper Peninsula to the beautiful community of Copper Harbor. Let's bring in Chris Gibert. He is with the Outdoor Activities area with the uh, Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. What a cool place that is, Chris. I'm really happy to see that really come back to life. Yeah, hi, Dave, and uh, greetings from the Keweenaw. Yeah, it's um, an exciting time. Um, I'm here at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge, and uh, yeah, we've just um, last year got the lodge designated as um, an international dark sky park. So this has been a really exciting time for us um, celebrating the night sky. I bet. Uh, you know, I've stayed at the lodge before, and it's really unique property. It's almost to the tip of the Keweenaw there in Copper Harbor. And just to visit any time of the year at any time of the day is really special. But something tells me it must be a really great place to look at the stars and uh, the northern lights and all the other things you guys can often see up there. Yeah, um, we're fortunate to, being this far north, we're completely removed from um, a lot of light pollution that are in other areas south of us. So that was kind of our thinking um, on getting the um, property designated as a, as a dark sky park. So, um, yeah, any time of year, um, we have beautiful night skies. Um, you know, there's always weather that can be a factor, but if it's clear, um, we have a lot of comments of people saying that they've never seen stars like this. They didn't know um, the stars shine so bright. And it's really exciting to engage with people when they really um, get to see the night sky for the first time or if they haven't seen it in a long time. I think the first time I saw the Northern Lights in their brilliance uh, was during a stay at... Um can't think of the name of the park, but it's in the Keweenaw. It's right on Lake Superior, a little bit farther south from you. And it was just such a spectacular thing to see. Everybody at the campsite, you could hear them starting to talk and kind of woke everybody up in the middle of the night, went out there to see those those beautiful colors. You never know when those northern lights are going to pop up, do you? 
No, and that's part of the fun of the chase, as we like to call it. Um, Dave, that was probably McLean State Park yep. where you were staying. That's it. And, um, yeah, so um, we enjoyed the chase. We're, um, you know, I've learned more about space weather and other happenings hmm. in the last couple of years than I ever thought I might. And so um, those of us that do enjoy um, tracking down the northern lights or trying to predict when it's going to happen, we're using apps. We're using different Facebook groups like Michigan Aurora Chasers and other resources at our fingertips to try to figure out um, when the best chance is to see the auroras come out, the northern lights. So, yeah, we enjoy the excitement of um, that. It's just kind of unpredictable. And uh, sometimes it's the luck of the draw or you got to um, just really make an attempt to get as much uh, knowledge at your fingertips and then go for it. Well, congratulations on being named a dark sky park. Not everybody can can claim that because you really do have to have an area that doesn't have a lot of artificial man-made light and such. And it's exciting to see that you guys are forming a new festival, the UP Dark Sky Festival, coming up in a couple of weeks, the 21st and 22nd of April. Tell us about that. What will we see when we come up to that festival? Yeah, um, part of being a dark sky park is that uh, you want to educate the public about light pollution and, um, you know, just in, uh, about the night sky in general. So um, every year, the um, International Dark Sky Association promotes Dark Sky Week. That's in April, usually in mid-April during the new moon. So since this is our first year with the designation, we wanted to start something new. Um, so it's a two-day event. It's the Upper Peninsula Dark Sky Festival, as you said. Um, we're bringing in speakers from around the region, um, from astronomers to people, um, experts in the Northern Lights. And we're going to have, it's a small, intimate festival for its first year. There's going to be about, uh, we're selling 50 tickets, and it's a two-day thing. And you're staying, if you'd like, right here at the Keweenaw Dark Sky Park um, on the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge property. That's kind of the headquarters of the park. So, um, yeah, it's uh, two days um, maybe five different workshops and then each night we're trying to get outside one night we're going outside with astro bob a regional astronomer that writes columns for different newspapers and the um also for sky and telescope and then um the following night we're going out with nate bet a uh, renowned night sky photographer and he's going to be doing a photo workshop and talking about the night sky also that's, so, that's cool exciting. well well and the thing is i know you're you're having a really small group this year but if people wanted to come up during that week there were so many places you can stay in the keweenaw and and maybe uh try to you know get a glimpse of the night sky uh, up there while you're there uh, basic goal of the event is what basic goal is really to um, provide educational opportunities and raise awareness of the light pollution. You know, we really want, um, whether you're um, a member of a municipality board or just a um, regular person that has an interest, we want to just educate people about different things you can do um, to minimize your light pollution impact, um, everything from changing lights. And um, also part of it is to explain the process of how we became a dark sky park ourselves. Um, we have Jamie from Headlands Park coming in along with um, John from our park here um, to kind of give an evolution of how to become a dark sky park. So if this is something that you're interested in for your area, um, we want to provide knowledge for people of how they can work through the process about that. Too. Fantastic. Well, the uh, website is keewanadarksky.com. You can learn all about 
the, uh, the festival itself and what you can see when you stay at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge as well. So check it out, KeweenawDarkSky.com, and our thanks to Chris Gibert for being with us today. We're going to head to Marshall next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. As you travel around the state, if you're anything like me, there are a couple of things it's very likely you're going to do. You're going to do some shopping. You're going to eat at a lot of places. Those are the two things that most travelers do, by the way. They they, uh, find restaurants and they go shopping. But for me, one of the things I like to do when I'm shopping is I find uh, local museums and local performance uh, venues. Because I really want to know what's happening in that community. And and I really like, you know, the more local, the better for me, you know, smaller towns and such. Um, and so so it's, it's really fun to do that. I recommend you try it. And one of the, the uh, venues that you might want to search out is in the beautiful little town of Marshall. Uh, Marshall, a uh, fantastic place there in Calhoun County. Really known for its architecture, great variety of really interesting buildings. And in one of those buildings, somewhat of a surprise, is a historic theater. Let's find out about the Frank Center for the Arts now by talking to Jacob Gates, the executive director of the Frank Center for the Arts. Jacob, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So I, I need to find out, you know, there are so many really cool buildings in Marshall. I'm wondering where your building is located and uh, what it looks like. Was it always a theater? You know, kind of fill us in on all that. Sure. So the Frank Center for the Arts is located on Mansion Street. So just one block off of the main drag right in downtown Marshall. Uh, so it's a wonderful location right across from Oakland Hospital for anyone who is familiar with Marshall. Um, but it is a uh, historic church. It was built in 1921 as a Methodist church, and uh, it was a you know a congregation met there for many years. And then in the 1970s, uh, the church moved elsewhere, and the building was sold to the city of Marshall. Um, and it hosted the Marshall Civic Players, who are one of the oldest civic theater organizations in the state, and continue to um, utilize our space. Uh, and it was also, there was a, a daycare there, uh, all kinds of, you know, weddings and events were held there over the years. Uh, and then around year 2000, the city got tired of running it. They were ready to get rid of this big building that was expensive to maintain. And a group of arts-minded citizens came together and formed a nonprofit to take over the space. And that's how the Frank Center for the Arts was born. It sounds like a perfect reuse for an old church. You know, the, the sanctuaries usually are, are pretty big and uh, often without pillars and such. So I, I would think that the sight lines and whatever would be perfect for theatrical performances. Uh, now, do you generally have like live theater, um, musical performances? What type of shows do you generally feature there? Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and to your other point, we do. We still have the, a lot of the beautiful old stained glass in the in the yeah. building, and it's a it's a great space. There's not a bad seat in the house. I so bet it's, it's a wonderful place to see anything. But um, so we have a youth theater program 
um, grades kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, and we just had auditions for Mamma Mia, uh, so that play will be coming up in May. Uh, and then we also, as I said, host Marshall Civic Players that has a play, Something Rotten, which is running this weekend, uh, a musical. Hmm. Uh, and then we also have a quite robust uh, concert series that we are proud of. We have a great, well-established blues series. Uh, we have also uh, something called the Michigan Stars series, where we aim to showcase up-and-coming Michigan artists that people should be aware of, kind of uh, dovetailing with, uh, you know, there's these local breweries, there are eat local movements about knowing where your food comes from. We feel the same thing about music, right, that, that people should really support Michigan artists and, and know, you know, kind of who's who in the, the local music scene or the statewide music scene, because we really have some incredible talent here in our state. Um, but we also take advantage of the fact that, you know, Chicago is right down the road. We're connected with other venues, so we um, are able to bring in artists that travel through, and, and we're really able to um, have a level of talent come through that we're very, very proud of, especially for a small town. I bet. Um, with the Frank Center for the Arts, are are you mostly volunteer-run? Uh, we, we have a number of uh, artistic professionals uh, that run the organization as well. I'm the executive director. I'm full-time. Uh, but we do have uh, staff for box office and marketing and graphic design and our uh, youth theater director. We also do education and outreach in the community and in area schools. So we are a pretty robust organization, but we certainly do rely on uh, volunteers as well. Um, you know, so it's it's like any nonprofit. It's a bit of a hybrid where we, we do certainly mm-hmm. appreciate our volunteers, but we're also very proud of our level of professionalism. Yeah, it sounds like it. How many uh, people generally come per year to your shows? Uh, usually we sell about five to 6,000 tickets in a year. Nice. Um, so that's pretty good, considering yeah. Marshall's population is seven thousand. So. I was I was actually thinking the same thing. Is that you know it's a small yeah. town, so you're bringing people from from outside the area, and and of course the locals are supporting you as well. So that's that's a yes. that's a great mix of uh, of activities there. Speaking of activities, let's let's find out some of the the shows you have coming up. I did see that you're hosting like a, a video awards program. Yeah, that is in its second year. It's called the Michigan Music Video Awards, and um, we are really proud of, of this one. It's, it's, it's awesome. So last year we had a great Michigan band, The Accidentals, headlined. Oh, yeah. Um, and, then th- and this year we have a variety of uh, artists who will, will be performing live. We have um, The Fabies. Uh, we have their kind of indie rock. We have Lokella. It's more kind of straight up rock and roll. We have Kate Rose, who's a Americana singer songwriter, and then Josiah C. Baker, who's an incredibly talented, uh, you know, pop or R and B type vocalist who uh, hails from the theater world and is now putting out his first pop music. So, hmm. um, we're, it's it's going to be a really cool lineup with four artists performing live. Um, there will also be screenings of the winning music videos. Um, the host is Becky Scarcello, who is, uh, has been prominent in the Detroit music scene for many years, uh, host of the um, 
debrief podcast over there. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a really fun night for anybody who's watched, you know, the Billboard Music Awards or the Grammys on mm-hmm. TV and thought, oh boy, it'd be fun to, you know, walk down the red carpet and you know get to hang out with these artists and see these live performances and stuff. It 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 really will have it, it's that kind of an atmosphere where we're going to have an incredible number of awesome performers and and filmmakers. They'll be performing live. We'll get to watch the videos and so. Wow. It's a fun night, but the genesis of that is, you know, I kind of grown up in the the era when music videos were so popular on TV and you yeah. run home from school excited to see the debut of the next video from your favorite artist. We wanted to really elevate that medium again, get it off your little phone screen and onto the big screen so people could enjoy it. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So that's on the 8th coming up very soon. And then looks like mm-hmm. on uh, the 15th of April, you have the Sweetwater Warblers. What type of music do they perform? Yeah, they are folk, um, kind of folk Americana with a little bit of gospel um, vibes thrown in there. But anybody who's not familiar, this this is actually really a folk supergroup uh, comprised of three uh, Michigan folk artists, Rachel Davis, Lindsay Liu, and May Erlewine. Oh, yeah. Um, and all three of them, yeah, they're, they're, they're masterful um, songwriters and, and performers in their own right. So you bring the three of them together and it's... It's going to be amazing. So wow. we're very excited. That, that is great. And I know May, and uh, well, I, I can't imagine how, how good that's going to be. You have yes. a group called the Big Fat Meanies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they are really fun, and they are, they're a band out of Pennsylvania. Um, and they're, they're just – they're really fun. They're great. They're sort of um, like Paramore with some ska elements in there. So, so rock. There's some horns. Mm. Um, but you know, really talented vocalist, and so that's just going to be a really fun night of of music. So and that's on the uh, yeah, and that's on the twenty second. And I have to tell you, I, I see you have Tom Frank Gala featuring the Moxie Strings on uh, June seventeenth. I've seen the Moxie Strings; they are incredible. And and I'll tell you, this lineup, what a great lineup! You're going to love it. You need to check out everything that's happening at the Frank Center. The website is thefrank.org and that's spelled with an e frank with an e at the end.org so thefrank.org our thanks to jacob gates for being with us today and i can't wait to check it out tell you another place i can't wait to head to that's frederick meyer gardens and sculpture park we go there next on travel michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. And before I came to Pure Michigan, I'm sure I've mentioned this probably about a hundred times, but I was proud to work for the Meyer Corporation. What a great company in so many ways. And a couple of the reasons why it's so great is because of the um, the founders, um, uh, Fred, Fred Meyer, for instance, um, and uh, of course his dad, Hendrick Meyer, and, um, and the whole family um, are really incredible people. And they think of communities I have so much great things to say about the Meyer family. And, and one of the great things is that Frederick and Lena Meyer came up with this idea to open a gardens and sculpture park. It is a fantastic venue, our number two attraction in Michigan. And it is, I will say this, the best gardens and sculpture park I've ever been to in the country. 
And I go to these things all over the place. So let's find out what's happening at the Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park in Grand Rapids by having John Vanderhagen join us. He's the Director of Communications at the Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. John, great to, to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Good to be with you. You bet. Uh, well, this is uh, a pretty spectacular place. Uh, you want to kind of go through the history of how it all came about? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, Fred and Lena were approached by a woman named Betsy Borey, who was a member of the West Michigan Horticultural Society, uh, sometime in the late 1980s, early 1990s. So um, Betsy approached Fred and Lena wondering, you know, could you make a, a small monetary gift to have uh, our dream of a botanical garden here in Grand Rapids come to life? Mm. Well, Fred, being the wise man that he was, took the idea home to Lena. They stood on it, and they agreed this was a wonderful opportunity to not only kind of bring Lena's love of flowers to the community, but Fred was starting to amass a small sculpture collection of uh, uh, pieces by Marshall Fredericks, which are known statewide. Um, he did the Spirit of Detroit, several other pieces in Greenville, uh, has a large collection there in southwest Michigan. Um, but Fred didn't want his growing sculpture collection just to be for him or, or his friends. So he thought this was a great way to kind of expose his growing sculpture collection to the to the region and really to the world, uh, uh, develop a way for Lena's love of flowers to be revealed to the community. So after several years of planning, we first opened our doors in 1995. Uh, and we've really become such a different, uh, better institution since then. So we recently under have undergone a four-year major $115 million expansion plan that really touched on every aspect of the guest experience. Brand new welcome center, new tram station, new learning center, new catering kitchens for all of the events that we do. So we've really grown tremendously from that seed of an idea from the West Michigan Horticultural Society. And I'm just thrilled that Fred and Lena embraced this idea and wanted this to become a great cultural gem, not only for West Michigan or Michigan, but for the country and for the world. Well, you know, even from the very beginning, it was a tremendous place. And then this expansion that you went through uh, the last couple of years, it's even bigger and better. Uh, and I'm really glad yeah. all that work's done because it's it just it just shines. It's just a wonderful place. And, and I love the fact that you have both indoor and outdoor exhibits. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, that's one thing that, you know, it's a common misperception that we're closed um, in the winter cooler months. We are open every day except Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, and New Year's Day. So there's plenty to see both indoors and out. Uh, five beautiful indoor garden spaces, an indoor sculpture gallery where we host rotating sculpture exhibitions, um, lots of different meeting and event spaces, wedding spaces for uh, folks who want to have those special moments here at Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. A wonderful cafe and gift shop, but then outside is really where our mission comes to life. Um, you know, we have beautiful sculpture pieces. I always like to say where art history books come to life. We have pieces by Ai Weiwei, uh, Henry Moore, uh, Rodin, so just all sorts of hugely prominent pieces scattered throughout our grounds, uh, created in conjunction with our horticulture team to make them all kind of a unique uh, setting with flowers, plants, trees. So it's really, really unique in that we are a living museum for both sculpture and uh, flowers, plants. So if you're into gardening, we're a great place to be. If you're into art, we're a great place to be. But if you don't really uh, know those things, it's a great place just to come and be visually uh, surrounded by this beauty. 
Uh, we also have a children's garden, the Richard and Helen DeVos Japanese garden, a farm garden, so plenty to see. Uh, you can fill, you know, a day or two if you've never been here um, by walking slowly and pausing to see that everything that we have available. Yeah, and, and you know, the indoors is equally impressive because, again, it's where you feature both sculpture and uh, plant life and, and gardens and yeah. such. And you have this this huge conservatory uh, where at this time of the year, you have one of the biggest shows of the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So every spring, uh, beginning on March 1st officially, running through the end of April, we host uh, what's now known as the Fred and Dorothy Fichter Butterflies Are Blooming. So thanks to a generous gift from the Fichter family, this exhibition will continue forever. Um, and it's truly unique. Uh, we have the Lena Meyer Tropical Conservatory, which you mentioned, uh, is a year-round feature. It's a beautiful place to escape and really feel like you're in the tropics. But every March and April, it converts to a magical wonderland filled with thousands of tropical butterflies. This becomes the largest temporary uh, butterfly exhibition in the country, and it's truly unique. You walk into the, the heat and the humidity of this tropical conservatory, and you're surrounded by thousands of butterflies that are really never anywhere together anywhere else in the world. We have uh, butterflies from uh, different continents, the tropical regions, all flying around in free flight um, in something that you're able to enjoy by walking through, uh, again, every March and April here at Meyer Gardens. The last time I was at the outdoor theater, it seemed bigger than it used to be. Uh, was that one of the, the venues within the property that was expanded? It was, yeah. So our the Frederick Meyer Gardens Amphitheater, um, we host uh, a main series, which is called the Fifth Third Inc. Summer Concerts at Meyer Gardens every summer, as well as local and regional music through our Air Basement Systems Tuesday Evening Music Club. Uh, the amphitheater itself, uh, we got a new concessions building, new artist green rooms, new sponsor seating area. We also include uh, increased the square footage. So we didn't increase our capacity. We're still a very small, intimate venue. Uh, we sell just 1,900 general admission tickets to each concert. But we did expand the lawn area where folks are, uh, are seated. So you'll feel like you have a little bit more room definitely improved concessions building and restrooms and just a whole overall refresh to our amphitheater uh, and that opened um, uh, in 2019 so that's that's still relatively fresh and, and new yeah I, I was just so impressed um, and the last time I was there and uh, and you you put on a huge series of both concerts and sculpture exhibitions so maybe if you could give us an idea of what's happening with the summer concerts this year Yes, absolutely. So um, this is probably the question I get most in my job. When is that lineup going to be announced and when yeah. is your first show? So I'm, ex I'm excited to say that we are just around the corner from announcing our full lineup for this summer. Uh, stay tuned in mid-April. Uh, that full schedule of 30 concerts for our Fifth Third Bank Summer Concert Series will be released then. We did do a little sneak peek a couple weeks ago uh, announcing a few of the names. So we'll have Wood Brothers with special guests, Shovels and Rope on June 18th, a Buddy Guy's Damn Right Farewell Tour, which is quite possibly Buddy's last West Mission appearance, will be here on June 23rd. And then a group called The Twelve Season uh, with Glenn Hansard and his partner from uh, from a movie. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be here on August 17th. So we're going to be announcing the 27 other uh, names as part of the main series here in mid-April. And then every Tuesday um, between Memorial Day and Labor Day, we also have local and regional musicians here on our stage. So Tuesday nights, Meyer Gardens as a whole is open until 9 p.m. 
And on Tuesday nights in the summer, we have music out in the Frederick Gardens Amphitheater from 7 to 9 p.m. So those shows are free for our members and included in the general admission ticket for our other guests. Well, it seems like most of your sculpture, sculpture exhibits that come in and out are indoors. Um, what are they going to be this year? Have you announced those yet? Yeah, so currently we've got a great show featuring two MacArthur Genius uh, Award winners, the MacArthur Fellowship. Um, so those artists are Mel Chin and Elizabeth Turk. So that show is currently in our interior sculpture galleries. It's titled Double Take, Mel Chin and Elizabeth Turk. Uh, that runs um, through the end of this month, and then we're really excited to, to open the show with uh, the Spanish sculptor Cristina Iglesias. This is called Under and In Between. That will open uh, April 28th and run through the end of September. So we tend to do two or three different sculpture shows interior in our sculpture galleries every year with artists that relate to our permanent collection. So as part of this recent expansion, uh, we installed a new beautiful piece by Christina Iglesias in our Tassel Wizard mm. Patrol English Perennial Garden. Uh, the, the work by her that's part of our permanent collection is a beautiful fountain um, that's running during our warmer months. And then the under and in-between show will really expand on her uh, full body of work and beyond view of interior sculpture uh, uh, galleries through the end of September. Well, it's it's really, truly a West Michigan treasure, something that all Michiganders should be proud of, the Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. If you want to find out more, and especially if you want to find out about those concerts coming up in just a couple of weeks, make sure to go to the website before you make your visit and put all your plans together. It's meyergardens.org, M-E-I-J-E-R, Gardens. Org. I want to thank John Vanderhagen for being with us today. And we're going to head to the Maritime Museum in South Haven next on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We're going to head over to the beautiful little town of South Haven. What a great town. We describe uh, South Haven as one of our beach towns on that string of beautiful beach towns in the southwest part of the Lower Peninsula. You need to check this out any time of the year. You're going to love a visit to South Haven, especially if you check out the Maritime Museum there. It's been going through a really big expansion project over the last uh, year or so. Let's find out how that's gone by bringing in Claire Harold. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator with the South Haven Maritime Museum. Claire, uh, good to have you on the program. I, I'm really intrigued to find out what happened with your big expansion. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we have had such a wonderful couple of years over here as we've expanded both our uh, campus property and that has allowed us to expand our main facility too. So uh, in late July, we finally opened our new 17,000 square foot Maritime Heritage Center, which is our main building on our campus. Um, but we've got big plans for the rest of our campus too. Wow. You know, and it's funny, uh, I was not able to visit this last year. So I thought maybe you'd still be going through your uh, expansion and renovations and such. So uh, good to know that um, you are ready to roll for the uh, the future. Uh, let's let's talk about the museum as it has been and what it is today. Give us a little background and tell us what we can expect when we visit the South Haven Maritime Museum. 
Sure. So the Michigan Maritime Museum was started in the mid-1970s, actually, as the Lake Michigan Maritime Museum, focusing just on, on our side of the state and, and our, uh, our great lake that we have here. Uh, and then we expanded to become the Michigan Maritime Museum and tell a much more complete story of how our state's history is so thoroughly wrapped up in the history of um, navigation and um uh, maritime practices on both the Great Lakes as well as our, our inland lakes and our rivers, all, all of Michigan's freshwater. Uh, we, for a long time, had a lovely little building here on the Black River, um, and and that served the purpose for a long time, but we certainly were outgrowing it. We had so many ideas for programs and exhibits, and we just didn't have the space. And so um, we launched this uh, we called it Launching a Legacy, our massive capital campaign, and we were able to raise enough funds to demolish that building that had served us well and build our new Maritime Heritage Center. Uh, and so now we have an enormous space here for events and educational programs and especially for exhibits. We have a beautiful new exhibit called Full Steam Ahead about the golden age of Great Lakes passenger steamships right now. Um, and that's something we never could have done in our old building, and, and we are just uh, eyes ahead. You know, full steam ahead is really our motto, not just our exhibit title, uh, as we look forward to um, what we can do now with our new spaces. That sounds great. Um, well, and just to, to position the museum for people who might be aware of South Haven but don't know exactly where you are, when you come into South Haven from 31 or whatever we call the expressway there, um, you are basically kind of a, a almost a block north of the main corridor, right? Yeah, just about. Um, we are just on, we're right on the river, so we have a beautiful waterfront property, and we're just across the Dykeman Avenue Bridge, which is the main bridge from the south side of the harbor to the north. Um, so we're within walking distance of the main downtown area of South Haven, and uh, because we're open year-round now, um, we're really hoping to uh, encourage people to come over to South Haven, not just in the summer, although it is beautiful here in the summer, but we're trying to help make our beautiful town here on the lake into more of a year-round destination, and we're, we're proud to be part of this community and uh, assist in that. Well, in, in your, your exhibits, of course, we talked about the special exhibit happening right now, but, but you have a, a, you know, a, a kind of a standing exhibit there, don't you? Or do you fill that space with, with kind of rolling exhibits over time? We have rolling exhibits over time. Um, some of the outbuildings on our campus have standing exhibits. So, for instance, uh, we have our Van Ort Boathouse, which is our standing exhibit about the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. Lifesaving Service. Uh, and then also this year in one of our um, other buildings on our campus that used to be part of the Jensen Commercial Fishery, we've opened our McClendon Small Craft Exhibit, uh, which is one of my favorites, you know, those um, – family vessels, your fishing boats, your sailboats. I think that's the way that so many of us first encounter the water is in our family boats. And so we have a beautiful uh, exhibit full of those small craft vessels as well as antique outboard motors. And so those are some of our standing exhibits in addition to our on-water fleet and our working boathouse. Um, but our exhibits inside our Maritime Heritage Center are rotating. And that's so exciting for us that there's, there's going to be something new here to see every couple of years as we switch out those exhibits. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a great idea. Now, this is the unique thing about your Maritime Museum. Most Maritime Museums, I, I, I love them. I go into them all over the state. Uh, and they, they often will have, you know, these indoor exhibits. Sometimes there are some outdoor things to see. But I can't think of any others where you can actually get on a boat. And in your case, you have the Friends Goodwill 
And I know there are some other boats there. So tell us about, if you would please, the Friends Goodwill first, because I call it a boat. I don't know if you'd really call it a boat. Uh, The Friends Goodwill is our square topsail sloop. So she is a tall ship, and she is a replica of a sloop that was built in Detroit in 1810 and 1811. And it was built by a Detroit dry goods merchant and was designed to essentially be the semi-truck of 1810 uh, and haul goods between Detroit and Buffalo, New York. And then when the War of 1812 breaks out, she is quickly captured by the British, and she's pressed into service in the British fleet. She's then captured by the Americans at the Battle of Lake Erie and becomes part of the American fleet uh, before being destroyed by the British uh, when they take the city of Buffalo, New York. So she has such an interesting history and lets us tell the story of the fur trade and merchant activity as well as the War of 1812. And so that uh, the Ship replica was brought here to the museum in 2004. Uh, so she's one of the older vessels in our fleet in terms of when we acquired her. Uh, and so she's available for public sales and the height of the summer we'll be sailing on her four times a day, seven days a week. We can take up to 28 passengers at a time for a beautiful 90-minute sail out on Lake Michigan. Would that have been uh, kind of the average size for uh, a ship of that time? very typical of her era, especially for, um, you know, a small privately owned merchant vessel, which is what she was created to be. Um, She was pretty typical. Of course, she went on to have a very unique history in terms of her wartime participation. Um, But as a merchant vessel, she was very typical of her era. In modern terms, she could haul the equivalent of two semi-truck trailers worth. So you can kind of get an idea of of her uh, cargo capacity. Right. Well, it's it's a beautiful ship and uh, really worthwhile just getting on or just being able to see. Now, there are, you have some other boats on property as well. Uh, Are they also available to get in the water uh, for the average person? Absolutely. That we care so much about. One of the, one of the hallmarks of our museum is really that uh, immersive element. Um, so we want to get you out on the water. Our museum is right here on the water, and we want to get you experiencing history in that way. So another one of our replica vessels is the Lindy Lou. She's a replica 1900 electric river launch. Uh, and so you can go out for a beautiful hour-long cruise up the Black River. Um, she's electric, so she's perfectly quiet. You really get some a chance to enjoy our local wildlife. Um, I love the river cruise on the Lindy Lou. We also have two original historic vessels. We have a 1941 Coast Guard motor lifeboat, uh, the 36460. She's also our movie star. Uh, mm. She played the part of a Coast Guard rescue boat in the Disney movie, The Finest Hours. Uh, so she's our, our Disney star, as well as being a really important historic vessel. And then we have uh, an original 1929 Chris Craft Cadet, the Maritime. Uh, so that's, you want to get out for a ride on the lake in some 1920s glamour the maritime uh, is the best way to do that well it's a special place in a really neat town you need to check out the south haven maritime museum and to find out more go to the website michiganmaritimemuseum.org thank you to claire Herhold, the community outreach coordinator for the south haven maritime museum for being with us today I, I can tell you i've been there before i really enjoy it and i'm really happy to say i'm going to be there very soon for a special event we're going to have next month so looking forward to that as well and i have to tell you those communities along the shoreline if you just want a little sample of what small town life is supposed to be like there you go you need to check it out all right that's about all the time we have i can't believe it the time just flies by on this program so I'm already looking forward to talking to you next week, right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling.